You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, Thursday the 9th of December and a little late today publishing this podcast because we were waiting for the results in the Robbie Dunn hearing at the BHA that we've been following for the most of the last two weeks. The result came through around an hour ago and Rishi Passat is with me just to tell you exactly what's happened. Rishi, what's the news? Uh, right, Lucky, an independent disciplinary panel today has found Robbie Dunn in breach of all four charges of conduct prejudicial to the integrity, proper conduct and good reputation of racing, including the bullying and harassment of Brahmi Frost. It must also be remembered that he'd already accepted a breach of acting in a violent or improper manner at Southern last year. That was on September the 3rd. In the judgment today, the panel stated that it was a seven-month campaign of bullying and harassment against Brahmi Frost, and it was a deliberate conduct uh, over a significant period of time. And in contrast, the panel said about Brahmi Frost uh, that she had been truthful, careful, and compelling when providing evidence. So we no longer need to draw conclusions based on assumptions or make judgments on social media as to the rights and the wrongs of the case. What we have today is a clear statement by the panel that A, Robbie Dunn's behavior was unacceptable and that his behavior over that seven month period classes bullying and harassment. And that judgment today now sets a precedent for future conduct of those within the weighing room, which put simply states that the type of behavior that Robbie Dunn conducted over that seven-month period is wrong and it's unacceptable. First of all, where does this leave Robbie Dunn in terms of potential penalties? Because that hasn't been decided yet. No, that's still to come. He could be banned for up to three years uh, for breaching that rule on four occasions. There's also the possibility of a very significant fine and we'll hopefully find out more on the punishment later today. And in terms of the commentary on uh, the witnesses themselves and the commentary on the state of the weighing room. This is clearly the debate that is now going to ensue in the forthcoming days. Who do you think we can expect to hear from and who do you think is going to be most significantly impacted by this? Well, those within the weighing room, Lucky, you've hit the nail on the head. It is really today's judgment, a dagger to those within the sport who believe that those within the weighing room might be, I guess, exempt from what society condones as acceptable behaviour because of the nature of the job they do. Um, and this is a, a pretty seismic wake-up call that the behaviour that was once perhaps tolerated and brushed aside as possibly banter or harmless fun or even educational correction behind closed doors is no longer the way to conduct yourself. It's also, of course, vindicated Bryony Frost's stance of standing up for herself and, and, and now forcing a shift in culture. And obviously that's... I think, as you say, it's at the heart of this whole case. The sport and society, all of us, uh, should no longer tolerate what were once deemed as, uh, now deemed as ancient practices of inappropriate behaviour that were once acceptable in an era long gone. Uh, interesting point here is that the headline on today's trade paper made much of the use of the adjective rancid, which was the adjective used by the uh, council for uh, the British Horse Racing Authority, in, in taking Robbie Dunn to task. That was Louis Weston QC. He described the existing weighing room culture as rancid 
And then that was described as the BHA saying that the, the weighing room culture was rancid. Of course, there's a paradox here, isn't there? Because who regulates every weighing room in the country? Who is the sports regulator? Yeah, indeed. Um, I think the word rancid, it's, it, it basically taints every single person within that weighing room. And I think that perhaps is, is perhaps unfair because we know that in every walk of life, in every society, that there are good and bad elements. And you know, as well as I do, lots of people know in this sport that there are very, very good elements within that weighing room. But when we do have bad elements within the weighing room, when we do have behavior that makes other people feel uncomfortable, that makes other people react in a, in a negative way and puts their, their well-being in jeopardy, then we have to stand up and we have to acknowledge that when one person or more people feel uncomfortable or feel that they're under uh, unacceptable uh, attack, that it, it, it needs to be addressed. And although some people sometimes turn a blind eye or they base it on every day, what's considered to be everyday behavior, um, it, it, it's not the way to, to address things now. There are Obviously, we know that the PJA introduced a new code of conduct back uh, in May of this year, and that's in recognition uh, to the fact that perhaps things hadn't been done properly. But this case, and the judgment in this case today, has said that uh, it, it has confirmed that things haven't been done properly. Uh, and it's good that it's been brought out. It's better that it's brought out and not left to fester, because what it has done, it has highlighted an area of the weighing room that could be improved, an area of the weighing room or the weighing room culture that could get better. I think using the word rancid about everything is, is unfair, because I do think that there are good people in that weighing room, and you and I both know that there are. But today's judgment suggests that when things go wrong and behavior is inappropriate, there ought to be a way of addressing that and addressing that in a manner that is fair to everyone. Robbie Dunn's defense relied quite heavily on the testimony of a number of connections who sought uh, to normalize uh, behavior in the wearing room. That really has been uh, the, sort of, the sort of downfall reputationally of of the other jockeys in a sense i mean it, this is more than than just a case about robbie dunn and Bryony frost it is uh, some people have said that in this this case no one wins uh, good people as you've mentioned have been brought into this unwittingly perhaps and had their names uh, sullied but i believe the fact that so many people have had a say it has given us a pretty clear snapshot of what life is like in the weighing room culture um and we've got a, a pretty clear picture of what goes on and like we've said, there are plenty of positives about the way the weighing room conducts itself, the way they support each other through trying times, they look out for each other. But there's also another side to behaviour in there. Bryony Frost has brought that behaviour to attention to the wider public. Um, you know, she should be applauded for that. Uh, and that behaviour that she has addressed and she has asked to be addressed uh, on a wider scale, it needs to be looked at. And looks, now that the panel have said, basically, it needs to be looked at quickly. Uh, what do you think the BHA needs to do or say now? And what do you think the Professional Jockeys Association needs to do or say now? How are you anticipating this playing out? That's a really tough question. Um, I, I suspect that there'll be a lot of conversations between the BHA and the Professional Jockeys Association over the next uh, few days. Because what they, have to, what they have to do, first of all, is accept the decision. They have to accept that uh, the independent panel has now found that the way that uh, Brownie Frost was subjected to that behaviour by Robbie Dunn and that 
what some people suggested might have been just the way things are done in the waiting room is wrong. Once we accept that that's wrong, then we know how we need to know how to address it. I think the PJA will have to accept that uh, a lot of people within that weighing room are now going to have to be educated. Education is a key element. Uh, you know, obviously, with my diversity and inclusion hat on, lucky you know, educating people into how others might might view what they consider to be an acceptable way of behaving is really important. It's really important in making other people or helping other people understand that your behavior, whilst you may not realize, or you may not be entirely aware, or you may not have any intention whatsoever of causing any harm or causing any ill feeling, it could potentially be doing that. And educating by the BHA, the Jockey Club, uh, sorry, the, the Professional Jockeys Association, working together to educate that what's what's acceptable what's unacceptable in that weighing room and in society is what i think should be the first step forward the pja of course rishi will also be feeling quite raw because they they called and, and expressed on this on this podcast the desire for this case to be thrown out they will be criticized for that um should they be criticized for that or not well I think they should be criticised because I think when they called for it to be thrown out initially, I mean, certainly on a personal level, I found that quite strange. Surely they would want it to come to a conclusion, I thought, um, whereby we understood the details and we understood exactly what had taken place as opposed to uh, just sweeping it away and saying, well, because it's taken this long, because it's not been handled appropriately, that it ought to be thrown out. I don't think that was the right call in the first place. So I I don't think they, they're exempt from criticism for that. So. Um, like I said originally, I think when it comes to the PGA's conduct, you know, they are now responsible for, their, for the, the, the people that they represent. Uh, and the panel has said that the behaviour that exists within that wearing or some types of behaviour that exists within that weighing room is wrong. The PGA are responsible for the people within their organisation and they ought to address that immediately. It's interesting that the notion that the investigating officer didn't conduct his role as fully and as well and as fairly as he should have done seems to have been irrelevant in the grand scheme of things. That surely will be weighing on the minds of a few senior bodies at the, at the BHA, I would have thought. I'm sure it will be. Um, that's obviously been one of the... the, the more disappointing aspects of, of the whole case, the fact that um, that particular element of the investigation uh, was unsatisfactory. But I guess in the conclusion and the overall presentation of the case, the fact that there was significant evidence on both sides and a number of people willing to speak up during the case, whether it's written or actually in, in person um, giving their own evidence, uh, allowed us to get a proper picture of what, what was going on, allowed us to understand what Brani Frost's view of everything was, what Robbie Dunn's view of everything was. And so whilst that particular element of the investigation was, as we said, unsatisfactory, thankfully we've been able to uh, gather enough evidence and enough clear evidence to give us a proper picture of, um, of the type of behaviour that went on over the, those seven months. So last night, the British government announced uh, they were moving to, to Plan B, which was to just introduce some further restrictions uh, to prevent the spread of the uh, Omicron variant of, of the coronavirus. David Armstrong, Chief Executive of the Racecourse Association, this has impacted British racing. David, how? Well, the, the main impact, Nick, is going to be on the... Uh 
COVID certification requirements now for uh, spectators in particular, but other people on the race course as well. And by, and by COVID certification, we mean the need to demonstrate that you have either been double vaccinated uh, or ideally with a booster vaccination or that you've taken an LFT test with a negative result uh, within 48 hours of coming to the race course. Um, but what that will mean on the race course is that we will need to check that, that COVID certification and that will be done using the NHS COVID pass which many of us have now downloaded on our phones, and that shows your vaccination status. So as you arrive on the race course, someone will check your COVID certification status, and assuming you've got the green tick, there's a green tick on the app that shows that you've been, you've been vaccinated or you've had a test, then if you've got a green tick, you're straight through into the race course. And what about when you get on the race course? Um, what will you have to adhere to when you are there, or can you move around as you, as you are normally able to do at the moment? You'll be able to move around as you, you do normally, um, and that you'll find that there may well, well be some additional measures in place regarding uh, face coverings in certain indoor areas, certain requirements regarding uh, social distancing, but pretty similar to what we're doing now in those areas once you're inside. Is it likely to have any impact on the weighing room area? Are we going back to, to zones as we, as we did in previous COVID protocol days? Well, we're having a look now at what the, the implications are operationally. Um, I think we may find that we'll need to have uh, some additional certification measures in place for other people coming onto the race course as well. Um, but no, we don't yet think we have to go back and, and have the strict green zone structure that we had before. That's not a specific requirement of Plan B. Will masks and face coverings, um, w w will wearing those be at the discretion of each individual race course in terms of how the tracks are laid out? I think, I think it will be because the, the layouts are so different. Uh, the guidelines are, are pretty clear about indoor areas, etc., when face masks should be worn. But as you know, Nick, every race course is in practice different from, the, from every other race course. So it'll be up to the individuals to set their own rules. But the only the only thing that the government is mandating that you do is to make sure that people have a, a vaccination certificate and or a, a, a negative lateral flow test. Yes, that's right, and and, and that's that's a big step. Um, I know it's, it's it's a moment when I think we should all be encouraging everyone to to get double vaccinated to have their booster if they possibly can. Um, but that'll be the main change, certainly from a spectator point of view. Um, the, the aspects of what we'll be doing operationally on course and the weighing room, etc., are subject to further discussions probably over the course of today. What about licensed personnel? I mean, do the same rules apply to them? I'm thinking particularly of, of jockeys, you know, one or two of whom might not have been double vaccinated. Well, we're going to, as I say, we're going to, we'll, we'll pin down the exact rules regards to licensed personnel today. But those, those, those jockeys and others coming on the course will have the option to take an LFT test instead of the vaccine. So if there, there are some people who won't have been double vaccinated yet, that's, that's quite natural. Uh, they'll be able to take an LFT test instead. So there's always an option for them to do that. Chelmsford City announced a couple of weeks ago that not only did you need uh, COVID certification to, to get in, but also uh, some form of uh, identification, an ID card or a passport. Is that something you can see being rolled out elsewhere or, or are they on their own on that? I think for now they're probably on their own, although we're watching with great interest to see whether it is something that might be of benefit more broadly. But at this point, that ID checking component is not a requirement of Plan B. And we're, we're focused right now today on what we have to do for Plan B.
Um, are you anticipating a plan C, David? You're normally fairly well ahead of this. Have you been warned by the uh, DCMS or by uh, health and uh, social care that you, you might have to, to go further in the near future? No, not yet. Um, the phrase plan C hasn't been used, although we have a number of calls with DCMS today, so I wouldn't be surprised if it started to appear. But uh, I think the, um, the the approach government were talking about last night and what they were announcing is a period now of enhanced awareness, additional checks, and then let's see what happens with this new variant and how, and how severe it becomes or not before taking any further steps. Through the pandemic, you remember, we went through various different configurations of lockdowns, green zones, and everything else like that. So if further restrictions are required, we'd be pretty confident that we've already got an operating model that we can pull off the shelf that we've tried and tested before and be ready to go with that if necessary. But for now, we're all hoping that Plan B is sufficient. Well, David Armstrong, their Chief Executive of the Racecourse Association, taking this pretty philosophically, I think they were prepared for this, Rishi. Um, do you anticipate that this will have any major uh, financial impact on the sport, or do you think people will just keep bashing on through, present the certificates, present a, a lateral flow result, and, and on we go? Well, I hope it'll be the latter. I suspect it will have some impact. I think um, reading the, the national newspapers today, they're talking about um, a significant impact overall uh, on hospitality uh, across the country. Um, obviously, it makes life a little bit harder. It makes life a little bit more awkward. But if you really want to go, if you really want to attend racing, if you really want to, to um, take part in what we know is a, a, an enjoyable time of the year to go racing, and when isn't it? Um, then there are ways to do it. But I guess it just makes it a little bit more awkward. I mean, I, I don't think, I personally don't think that it really should have that much impact um, when you consider the fact that, you know, we, we've managed to start life again uh, since the, the last of the lockdowns. And we understand what's now become acceptable, you know, to, to have lateral flow tests, to present your past. It's actually not it's not the end of the world when you have to present something that you already have. I guess the, the issue would be that if you're not fully vaccinated or if the rules change maybe in the new year that you have to also have had your booster uh, to, to be termed fully vaccinated. That's, I think, something that they said yesterday at the press conference will remain under review. That perhaps puts a little bit more of an issue on, on, the, uh, on hospitality going forward. But I think as things stand, because we've got so used to presenting our COVID passes and now taking lateral flow tests or, or more, that I would hope that uh, it won't have a, a significant impact on, on attendances at race courses. So Racing Post Gold Cup on Saturday. New name, new sponsor for the feature race at Cheltenham. Uh, one of the key fancies is William and Angela Rucker Silver Hallmark, who's trained by Fergal O'Brien, who joins me now. Um, Fergal, I once mistakenly and got into a lot of trouble said that this horse was trained by Evan Williams and you got very cross and given what he's done in his career, I can understand why at the time. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever got very cross with you, Nick, to be honest. So um, that's not true. Um, but yeah, no, he's a lovely horse, and um, he, he, we've been very lucky to get him. And he's done, you know, done very well for us. Even though he's limited runs, you know, he's, he's a little bit fragile, but uh, he's he's, uh, he's done very well for us. Yeah, you're right. He's one of those low mileage horses. It's not like he's had masses of time off the track, but it seems that you just have to pick and choose very carefully. So just give me a bit more sort of depth on that. Um, yeah, he just, you know, he probably hasn't got the, the sort of best uh, feet in the world and stuff, so normally when he comes back from racing, it just takes him a bit of time, but actually this time he came back from uh, Carlisle, 
in 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 great order. Um, and you know, we've just been we've been waiting for a bit of ground for him, really. You know, so um, you know, really looking forward to him running. Hopefully, Charlton can get a little bit more rain. Um, so yeah, so fingers crossed. The Colin Parker at Carlisle this year might end up looking one of the one of the best bits of form on offer. Uh, the Ladbrokes runner-up fiddler on the roof won it, and of course, Ahoy Senor was probably just beaten when when he unseated uh, Derek Fox two out. So it, it looks pretty strong form, and you were right in there till fairly late on. Yeah, look, it was his first one of the season, and it, look, he was a novice in against some very very good horses. Fiddler on the roof, um, I think, only just beat him last year at, at, at Exeter, and. Um, yeah, so he, 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 you know, I think it's, it's great form. We, we, we missed the, we sort of missed the sort of fourth last person in the straight. He, he, he hit it fairly hard, and Adam gave him his time to sort of gather himself up again, and he was starting to stay on again at the line, you know. So we're hoping, um, we're hoping that he's obviously improved a lot from that, and he seems great in great form at home. So really looking forward to, to, to getting him back on the track. Uh, is ground a, a, an issue for him? I mean, you've tried to keep him to, to easy ground so far. Is that just a coincidence? Is that just the way things have panned out? No, no, he definitely wants, you know, he definitely wants it on the easy side of, you know, good to soft to be ideal, soft to be, would be ideal, um, doesn't really want good ground, uh, I think, he, you know, he, he, he just ends up, he, he doesn't really let himself down, um, so yeah, so we, 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 we'd like sort of good to soft ground. Lots of horses entered over the weekend, who do you think is your best chance of a winner? Oh, um, maybe the two jumper at Harryford in the Mayor's race, um, looking forward to her running, um, yeah, so Hurricane Harvey on Friday. Looking forward to him running. So fingers crossed. We, we yeah, hopefully one of them will, will sort of go in. We yeah. get the crossbar most of the week, so um, it'd be nice to have a winner. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're normally you're clipping away at such a good rate. When the when the sort of number of winners goes down, everyone sort of goes, oh, are they out of form? I mean, do you still think the horses are in good form? Um, they've been in better form. Um, we've we've had one or two with with. You know, sort of snotty noses because the time of year, some of the youngsters, and so they have been in better form. But there isn't like last weekend we ran nine horses, and I think there was only two. There was two that disappointed, and but there was two that ran way above expectation. You know, so it sort of swings around about, and you know, we're, we're very lucky to be uh, sitting where we are at the minute, and um, you know, we'll keep we'll keep doing what we do. Good luck, Fogel. Thanks so much. Cheers. Thanks, Nick. Well, if Midnight Shadow were to win the Racing Post Gold Cup at the weekend, he would join a very, very small and select and illustrious band of horses who've won the big Cheltenham chase in November and followed it up uh, four weeks later. He's going to be ridden once again by Ryan Mania, who joins me now. Uh, Ryan, that was a tremendous performance in the in the Paddy Power Gold Cup. How's he done since? Uh, he's, well, he's came out of the race absolutely bouncing. Um, so, yeah, really looking forward to seeing um, if, he, if he can if he can do it at the weekend. He's going to He's got a big rise to deal with. Um, he's gone up seven pounds. There were some nice horses that he beat them behind him, having this, their first runs of the season. They'll come on for the runs um, and and take him on again on Saturday. So he's he's, he's up against it, but hopefully he's, he's good enough. A couple of obvious questions. First of all, do you think the new course will suit him as well as the old course did? Um, I, I don't think he'll mind. I think just Cheltenham in general, he, just, he, he loves Cheltenham. Um, and they say that they say that the the new course is, is more focused on stamina. So you know, if we we think he might stay the stay the three miles, so that would that would give us another indication whether he did or whether he didn't. And he was second in the race last year to a sort of freakish Chatham Street lad, and he beat Paint the Dream on the new course in a novice chase. So there's plenty of evidence suggesting that both tracks come come alike to him. And um, was there anything about his victory last time that that surprised you at all? Because it it was a marked step forward. 
didn't surprise me, no. Because um, he ran a very good race at Aintree um, on his return. And obviously, with his run from Cheltenham last year, um, you know, we, we know we know he's a very good horse. He just just maybe last year just thing didn't quite go his way. Um, so it wasn't it wasn't quite a surprise, but just the way that the way that the horse jumps and travels through the race is just he's he's a great easy horse to ride. Um, and you know you can you can put him in any race, and I think he'd be he'd be there be there at the be there at the end whether he wins or not. I don't know, but you know he's 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 always going to be be very close. And Protectorat's win uh, at Aintree in the many clouds must have given you great heart that what you achieved at Cheltenham was pretty substantial. Yeah, it backed up, didn't it? And but but you know we were. I was hoping he was going to step up to three miles and, and give that a, a goal, just like Protectorat did. Um, but we're going to have to wait until and wait wait until that day. Um, I don't know where he'll go after Saturday. King George would probably come too soon, but yeah, definitely keen to, to step up to three miles and see what he can do. So you really think, from what you're saying, it sounds like you feel that we're only scratching the surface. That might this might just be the beginning for him. Yeah, I, I genuinely believe that. I know he's, he's not, you know, he's not not a, a really young horse, he's not an old horse, but um, I think if, if he stays at three miles, I mean, he could be, he could genuinely be a, a gold cup horse. Um, you know, he is, he is genuinely the best horse, best horse I've ridden. Um, so, you know, I'd like to think that he, he could be in the, you know, end up rated in the 160s, but, you know, we've, we've yet to find out and, you know, we've, we, he's almost, he is slightly exposed over two and a half so I think you know we need to to step up to three to see if it just brings out a bit of improvement in him. And riding horses like this, it uh, it must make you wonder why why you ever stepped a, stepped away from the game. Oh, I think I wonder that every day. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, I know why I did it at the time, and you know, life works out the way it's always supposed to. And you know, I do stand by the fact and say that I would I wouldn't have a wife and a family if I'd stayed racing. So look, it's Everything works out for the for the for the right reasons, and it's you know I'm lucky to have, to have came back and, and get to ride such nice horses, and um, you know long may that continue. It's been it really has been great. Ryan, thanks so much for chatting to me. Best of luck Saturday. All right, thank you very much. Well, thanks to all my guests today. Rishi's still with me, and Rishi, we're obviously a bit late today to get that verdict result in. Have you got a tip for me for tomorrow or the weekend? I'm going to the weekend and the, the big race, the Racing Post Gold Cup at Cheltenham, or one of the big races, lucky. Uh, and I'm going to take a chance on Layla again, uh, second run after Windrock. Uh, the, the stiffer uh, new course at uh, Cheltenham, I think, will we'll play into his hands as well. I know he's, he's uh, close to being favourite for the race, but uh, he will be carrying my cash. Richie, thanks so much. Back tomorrow morning to reflect on any further developments in this case and to look ahead to the weekend and also look ahead to the Hong Kong International um, uh, on Sunday Uh, but that was Thursday the 9th of December we'll see you again tomorrow bye bye you've been listening to Nick Luck Daily brought to you in association with Fitzdares the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary Mm -hmm.